Hello listeners of the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. This is Katie, Sheila's youngest daughter, as well as the video editor for the podcast videos. And before we start today's episode, I just wanted to come on really quick and explain that while we filmed this episode, I was drinking a cup of tea and I kept putting the teacup down next to the microphone without realizing that the microphone would pick this up. So I am so sorry if there's any loud sounds every now and then that you're kind of confused by. It's probably me just putting the teacup down and I'm sorry for any inconvenience. It won't happen again and I learned from my mistake. I hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day. Welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, where we like to talk about how to make marriage a passionate adventure and not a giant to-do list. And this month on the blog, we are tackling... Sex questions you can't ask your pastor. Yeah. Yay! So that's all fun. And this week, I have been camping up near where my youngest daughter lives. And so I am in her house, and we are recording this in her house. So Katie has joined me. Yeah. Usually it's, Hello. usually it's Rebecca, but hey, now it's Katie, and I'm going to sit you with some sex questions you can't ask your pastor. I'm the, I'm the temp for the day. Yes, <laughs> and we have a really weird mother-daughter relationship, too. Yeah. <laughs> so what I did was I compiled a bunch of newlywed ones. Okay. So we are going to tackle the newlywed. Am I technically newlywed? I've married for two years and four months, so technically I'm four months past newlywed. Well, you can have the newlywed ones, or you can have the erectile Well, it's not <laughs> So let's do. Okay, yeah, let's not. <laughs> let's do the newlywed ones. Okay. So we have a bunch of different ones. Let's start with this one. Would you like me to read it, or would you like to read it? I would love you to read it. <laughs> okay. So she says, "I am getting married this summer, and the closer I get, the more nervous I get about sex. I'm about to start reading the Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, and I love listening to your podcast and reading your blog posts. You've really helped me a lot, but I need more help." Okay, well, I'm glad. Good good start with yep. Good Girl's Guide. Excellent. My parents never really talked about sex much, and so even now, after learning so much from you and finally talking to my mom, it makes me nervous. Not only because it feels so foreign, and I hate unknowns, but also because I have health issues. I have a wonderful fiancé who takes care of me and truly wants to serve me through this and make me feel good, but doing anything new physically scares me. I have terrible migraines and a form of POTS. I'll explain that in a minute. I'll explain that in a minute. (laughs) That has been so bad lately, and it makes me worry about anything. Everything, I hate it, and I'm trying to focus on God's word and find peace. But this is one area that keeps bringing up my anxiety, and I don't know what to do. He's already told me he just wants to make sure I feel comfortable, that I'm at home, not to push myself, we'll take it slow. We're spending the first night in our apartment, which will be our home, which is good, but as we get closer, I'm afraid my natural penchant for worry and anxiety, as well as my fear over my health issues, might shut it all down. It all just makes me nervous, and I do want to make our honeymoon special with both of us feeling good without ending up with a flare-up of symptoms. Cool. Well, a few things jump out at me from the start. I think one thing that's encouraging is the fact that she obviously has talked to her fiancé about this. I yeah. think that as a young woman growing up in the church, definitely, um, we didn't, I didn't necessarily talk openly about sex with my friends, but we definitely talked about, like, wedding night and, you know, yeah. kind of in vague terms, um, more when we were, like, 17, 18, 19 rather than 14, 15. But, you yeah. know, obviously in that stage, and, like, there definitely can be a lot of pressure that because it's, like, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex, it's, like, this huge huge deal right and and so of course anxiety is going to come in that and of course anxiety is like the worst thing to be having when you're trying mm-hmm. to relax obviously because it gets counter um countering that but i mean it's very vulnerable like especially i'm assuming obviously this girl sounds like she's a virgin yes and this is going to be 
you know, a very new experience and like she has no, like you, we don't have a baseline. Again, I, I've only ever been with my husband too, as well. So like I understand this thing of like, I don't know what I'm getting into. You definitely do want to talk about it, but it makes sense that you're scared about it. And then you're just dealing with all these other emotions all put together. So I'm glad she's talked to him about it. Mm -hmm. Make sure, especially if anybody's listening and they're also in this position, like do make sure that you're supposed to be knows where you're at even mm -hmm. if you wish you were in a more healthy place it's important mm -hmm. for them to know where you're at to let people know i did look this up now oh, yeah what yes what remember i am not medical so <laughs> my husband might be but he would be the first one to say do not blame me for anything she says because she didn't check with me about this so <laughs> right, he's also watching yes we're alone <laughs> yes pod stands for something very long okay. um, but basically it's it's you you know someone with this actually but it's yeah. a disorder where um your heart can start uh, beating up to 30 beats a minute faster than usual when you change oh. positions or temperatures. So oh. if you suddenly get up, um, you know, within a, a little while, your heart can really start going. Right. It can trigger all kinds of migraines. So just pressure is, is, is really, you know, change of positions, change of pressure. Um, when the barometer changes, when the temperature changes, it can be really bad in winter for a lot so of people. So in this specific situation, sorry, mm -hmm. <laughs> would this be something where maybe it's like, they would just say, okay, we're not going to switch around with positions. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> like, we're going like, to lie you down and you can stay on this plane. Yes. And we don't need to move. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so, and I, I also want to say too, like she's got a lot of anxiety, but, you know, we can blame ourselves for anxiety. And she said this one thing too. She said, I'm trying to focus on God's word and find peace, but this is one area that just keeps bringing up my anxiety. And right, I think like it's her fault that she I, can't find peace. Yeah, I think it's, mm -hmm. it, it really is good to focus on God's word. And, and it is good, you know, to seek out perfect peace. And Jesus said that he would leave us with perfect peace. But I also want to stress, it is not your fault if you suffer from anxiety. Yeah. And it isn't like a spiritual stronghold in your life necessarily like this is this is a biological thing for many people now pots and anxiety do not go together in the way that we would normally think like pots people with pots can become more anxious simply because they could suddenly faint when they're out in public i mean that's a right. good reason to yeah. be anxious but but it but anxiety is not necessarily elevated with pots so it could be that she is experiencing anxiety more so because she has pots so she mm -hmm. she generally has things to worry about but sometimes we think that this is causing me anxiety when it's really not. And if you could just take a step back and say, no, you know what? I just have more to deal with, but there's nothing. I'm not broken. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's really important to say is I'm not broken. Yes. And, um, and accept where you're at. Because, yeah, you've got some limitations. This yeah. is difficult, but you're not broken. I, it sounds like he's understanding. Mm -hmm. So that's good, too. <laughs> yeah. But I also want to say, like, you know, on the first night, I think we build up the wedding night way oh, too much. Oh, I know. Much. And especially, I mean, I mean, obviously, bar COVID, a lot of weddings obviously aren't having a traditional <laughs> reception dance for two hours, go to, like, a hotel or whatever, the way most yes. you know, people would have it. Um but, you know, if you have had a day where you got up in the morning, you did your hair, you were so, your, your emotional high, your crash is so, like, it's such a big come down. Like, you're, the day's yeah. over, you leave, and you're just, like, exhausted, right? And so if this is something where you guys have waited for your wedding night, and you're already anxious about it, like, there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with, like, still, like, fooling around and having fun, but maybe not, like, mm -hmm. actually having actual intercourse yeah. sex that night. Like, maybe just 
doing more with your hands or something like that. And this is something that I talk about a lot in our honeymoon course, which is all about getting ready for, for the sex part of your honeymoon since the other part of the honeymoon is not necessarily happening during COVID, but right, yes. the, tra- the travel part's not really. <laughs> and I'll put a link to that in the podcast description that goes along with this podcast. But you know, the most important thing that I, I wish pe- couples could understand is that we tend to tell couples, save sex until the wedding. Yeah. Save sex until after, until your wedding night. Mm-hmm. And I wish what we said was save sex until after your wedding and then don't have sex until you're aroused. <laughs> because I think we're, yeah. we're putting the cart before the horse a lot. And yeah. it is way more important just to figure out how your bodies work and what makes you feel good than it is to just have intercourse. Yeah. And, and maybe and maybe young women like this, as well as some of my friends that I know that have experienced such anxiety around the idea of losing your virginity to your husband on your wedding night, wouldn't have that stress if it wasn't such a zero to insert. <laughs> like, yes. Literally, yes. you know, like, you know, we don't know because also when you're dating, there's so many boundaries and like there's all these talks and there's books and podcasts and YouTube channels of people telling you like, don't even hug other people because <laughs> yes. maybe you'll be tempted. And it's like, oh my goodness. So everything is a sin. Then as soon as you get married, you know, okay, we're supposed to have sex now, but you haven't even explored mm-hmm. anything else. Mm-hmm. And so there's a reason that, you know, as you're dating someone, you might realize like, I really want to make out with them. Ooh, I, it's hard not putting hands under clothes because that's actually the natural progression that God wants it to be. Like he wants it to be attracted, touching each other yes. and then working their way. It's not like you just fall into, oops, we just had sex. Like, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. God made our bodies, especially the female body to respond to a whole series of things. Yes. And guys have fun doing those series yes. of things to you. So don't yes. think that you're being bad for asking your husband to help yes. you with these things. And I think one of the problems with having a health issue yes. is that, we feel so guilty for having this health issue because we feel like because I am limited, I don't want to limit my spouse. Yeah. And so you kind of push yourself beyond the health issue. But honestly, this is advice that I give to everybody, pots or no pots. Oh, yeah. It's like, so, so let your, and it sounds like the husband is perfectly willing to do this. So don't say we're going to have sex on a wedding night. Say instead, we're going to get acquainted with each other's bodies. Yeah. We're going to figure out what feels good. And we're going to figure out how to do all this within my pot's limitations yeah. and just have fun. Um, and don't put so much pressure on yourself because you know what? You've got like decades mm-hmm. to figure this out. You don't need to yeah. figure it out in the first two hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So great one. Let's move on to the next question. Okay. Okay. I just saw the headlines of some of these questions and I'm just like, oh, wow. <laughs> this is going to be a good podcast, everybody. <laughs> all right. So this is, this is one of a woman who is married. This is kind of a long, multi-part one. I think you're going to find this one funny. All right. I often have heard it said that men have the higher libido in the marriage, but with me and my husband, I'm the one with the higher libido. We've been married for a few months, and our sex life is very healthy and quite regular, but we have found this has been a bit difficult to manage from time to time. First, my husband sometimes feels that he is unable to keep up with my desires and feels inadequate and as if he is underperforming. He gets frustrated when he can't perform when I am in the mood and then everything seems to fall apart and any chance we had is gone. I am careful not to be too pushy and I always tell him that there is no pressure or expectation. It's not as if I am explicitly asking for it either. He says he often can tell right away because I get hungry eyes. (laughs) That specific look in my eyes when I want them. (laughs) Okay, so before we move on to the rest, 
So here's a woman with flip libido. Right. Yeah. And that's way more common than we think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think in the surveys that we did, we surveyed 20,000 people earlier this year for our book, The Great Sex Rescue, which is coming out next spring. And I believe it's like in 60% of marriages, and forgive me, Joanna, our stats person, for getting <laughs> this wrong, because I know that I will be off, but in 60% of marriages, he has the higher libido. In roughly 20, she does, and in roughly 20, they have roughly the, the same. same. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we think that, like, all guys have the higher libido, and right. then if you're the one with the higher libido... You're like, what's wrong? What uh, Am I broken? Why yeah. am I like this? And yeah. then he thinks, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And he feels pressure to perform. So... One of the things that I tell people is we need to stop thinking I am broken Mm -hmm. and that I am not normal Mm -hmm. because there isn't a normal. (laughs) Like we are all made with different levels of libido, with different sensitivities to sex stuff. (laughs) You know, some of us, it's just really easy to feel turned on. Oh yeah. And some of us, it's it's not. It's way more context dependent. And some of us may have an easy time getting turned on, but we also have a really easy time getting turned off. So we might get, we might be really raring to go and then your mom calls or you think of your mom or that, that's a weird thing to say because I'm talking to my daughter, so I'm sorry, but like, you know what I mean, you know, yeah. or whatever it might be, you know, you might be really turned on, but then it might be really easy to turn you off too. Yeah. Or even if it's not a thing. turn off, it might be that your libido comes in waves. There's like mm-hmm. 10 minutes where you're like, okay, honey, come on upstairs. It's going to be great. But he's like finishing an episode of a TV show. So by the time he comes upstairs, you're like, oh, well. Sorry, like I'm not. It's not that you yeah. don't have a libido. It's just like like there's windows. Yeah. Too. So even though like you, know, you got it's like hey, let's go. Like every night there's gonna be a time where you're like let's go. But if they don't hop on it, then it's like okay, well, well you lost it. Right. <laughs> like, you lost it. And that can go for both right. genders or whatever, right? But, but I think when you're first married and you don't fit the natural idea of what sex should be like, yeah. There's this idea that this is a problem that we have to fix. Yeah. And it's actually not a problem. It's just simply learning how to communicate sexually with each other. Mm-hmm. But it's not a problem that needs to be fixed. No. And there's not like one, you know, goal that you're working towards that we need to have our marriage shaped exactly like this because the truth is your marriage has you and your spouse and that's it. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what Joe mm-hmm. Blow over there is doing in their marriage. It, it matters about your spouse and yourself and how you guys handle your, you know, mm-hmm. sexuality with each other, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if someone else has a higher drive here or a lower drive there or whatever. And I think because, again, we're taught, I can only say from my own experience as a young woman in my young 20s and, you know, having just recently gone through the youth group years and the young adult years and all that, whenever sex comes up, it is always in the context of he will want you every second and you shouldn't (laughs) tell him no or else he'll have an affair and all these terrible things that people say in churches. And it came to the point where even sometimes a lot of women who don't want to have sex are then like, having sex because, you know, well, I have to. And then in his case, maybe he feels like he's underperforming because he's like, oh, no, like, I'm not keeping up. And it's like, you know what? You're just two people who got married. And God is excited that you're married. And God is excited that you get to share this gift together. So why are we trying to, like, keep up with the Joneses with our sex life? Like, you know what I mean? And it's okay to negotiate. Absolutely. It's okay to negotiate. It's probably healthy, too. (laughs) Yeah. I also want to say something, like, about what different libidos look like. Like, there's some people... That just, like I said, they get turned on really easily. And there's some people that don't get turned on as easily. But when they do have sex, they really have fun. And I compare it to like, let's say that you love jogging. Like you're Mm -hmm. you're a runner, okay? Mm -hmm. Even people who love running and who run every day, a lot of them struggle with actually 
going running. Yeah. So they, they want to go running. They've put it on their list to go running. They know they enjoy it when they run, but actually starting running is like, oh, I would so much rather be watching Netflix, right? <laughs> and so you still have to fight with yourself to actually go running. Yeah. But then at the end of the run, you feel amazing and you're so glad you went running. Yes. Now, we wouldn't look at that person who had to fight to go running and say, well, they obviously don't like running. Yeah. Because it was hard for them to start running. Yeah. And so obviously they don't enjoy running. No, because no. they love running. Yeah. It's just hard to get going. And and so if somebody has a difficult time getting going with sex, but then once they do have sex, they really enjoy it. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean they don't like sex. Yeah. Just because they their libido doesn't work in the same yeah. way that we picture the typical libido should work. Yeah. And that's kind of what she was saying too, right? Is that he's mm -hmm. happy to, to acquiesce. <laughs> right. You know? Let's read part two to her question. So here's another scenario she says. There has been some trouble with me feeling undesired. Mm -hmm. I am loved far beyond what I deserve by the man I am so lucky to call my husband. He goes out of the way to call me beautiful. He tells me how much he loves me. He loves my body. He caresses my physical areas of insecurity. He brings me things on the way home from work. Mm -hmm. So this is a good guy. Great guy. Great guy. However, because I'm the one making the advances, it sometimes leaves me feeling as though I am not as desirable to him as he is to me. This can leave me feeling distant and insecure. It can also leave me lacking a bit in the emotional connection department after we finish and are cuddling because I am so focused on him getting enjoyment and not that I don't get enjoyment myself sometimes. Sometimes my body's enjoying it, but mentally my brain isn't and we're not forming that emotional bond. Okay, really common scenario. Very, very, very common scenario. I will say this. She might be someone who is like always turned on, so she could jump into bed with those hungry eyes <laughs> at the drop of a hat at any moment. And what she wants is for him to initiate sometimes. Yeah. But she may not be leaving any room mm -hmm. for him to do that. Mm -hmm. And if you have a massive higher libido and you want to see how much your spouse wants sex too, sometimes you need to give them space yeah. to actually want it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that just comes from understanding how each other's libidos work because it sounds like what's happening is he is trying to act like her mm -hmm. and he just isn't going to no. and then when they do have sex she is is so wanting him to enjoy it so that he will initiate later that right. she's not able to enjoy it and it's all just one big hot mess it's like every moment is actually about the moment the next moment it's not a good yeah that you're and living. so you can't just be there in the present which is really common and that's why i love this question because it's so multifaceted and it and they've only been married a few months and this is what so many people go through it's just so typical yeah is you just haven't learned to negotiate yet so i would say a really good idea is leave him some time you know like let go of this idea that every time i want sex i need to have sex mm -hmm. or somehow i've lost you know i'm losing out on something you know you you can let yourself go a little bit and let his libido grow and figure out what his accelerators are like what is it that turns him on yeah and let him figure that out because if he's always trying to respond that can be very stressful for him too so yeah. sometimes you need to to back off a little bit. I will yeah. say that. Well, and, and just to add one more thing to that, I think something that is really important for us as women who are dealing with thoughts that always come in as like, what if this, what if that? It's like speaking truth to yourself mm -hmm. is the most important thing. And in the whole two paragraphs before this, it's like, he brings me stuff. He says, I'm amazing. He loves me. I'm beautiful. He caresses parts of my mm -hmm. body. So you feel like she can, there, the truth in her life is that her husband loves her more than 
anybody in the world, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so when she's lying there and maybe, you know, she's like, well, I really want him to initiate tonight, so I'm just going to lie here and then hope he initiates. And then if he doesn't, then she goes mm-hmm. to bed feeling, like, insecure and unloved. It's like, well, in that moment, just speak the truth of, my husband loves me. My husband cares about me. Mm-hmm. My husband cares about my sexual needs and desires as well. You know, like, that mm-hmm. is truth. Even mm-hmm. if in the moment it feels lonely, it's like, well, the truth yeah. is, my marriage isn't, like, I don't want to say my marriage isn't bad. I mean, like, obviously you want to grow in these areas. But mm-hmm. the, the truth is that it probably is better than it could be, right? Yes. And so yeah. always, fo- not like you should always focus on the positive, one of those, like, little Pinterest things or whatever. <laughs> but I, I just, I find in my life, um, especially, like, as someone whose spouse is away a lot, you know, sometimes it's like, he's gone for three months, like, you just got a deal, right? Yeah. And, but, so in that moment, you just be through, like, my husband loves me. My husband doesn't want to be away from me. My husband wishes he was home with me. My husband wishes that he didn't mm-hmm. have to be sleeping in a field right now. He would much rather be in bed yes. with me, you know? And, mm-hmm. and truth sometimes just helps combat thoughts. Mm-hmm. I just find that. Absolutely. And practical thing, when I'm saying, too, to leave room for him to initiate, you can even just simply do, you know what, this week, sex will be on my terms so maybe we have sex like every night and then next week it's on your terms and I'm going to totally back off yeah and have no expectations mm-hmm. and that that actually can be a healthy thing yeah. okay here's another part of the question okay all right our intimate relationship can sometimes be sporadic and inconsistent due to the above mentioned my husband can get flustered or gives up on trying to satisfy me in the beginning of our marriage we were having sex nightly if not more much of which he initiated then it dropped to five times a week and over the past month there have been stretches where we go four to five days without anything this can cause frustration from him because he can't please me or keep up with me which couldn't be further from the truth in turn i become frustrated from that because the same thing that is frustrating him is the same thing that is holding him back my husband's an amazing man and even without sex i would never change the choice i made to spend the rest of my life with him my life has been so much better since the day he entered it and i am so blessed so again, great marriage. Yeah. And this is just a really, this is the most common thing people have to figure Literally. out. So he feels like he doesn't want it enough. Mm-hmm. And so that blusters him. He feels insecure about it. So he backs off. And then that makes him even more flustered because he knows he's not satisfied here. Right. And this is where we need to let go of the idea that everybody's sex drive needs to look the same. Mm-hmm. And that sex needs to look the same for everybody Mm -hmm. and that there is some magic number that you have to have sex Mm -hmm. and you know if they're still going several times a week they're (laughs) doing better than most already well there can be times or sometimes if you're really tired you don't want to have like the whole thing you can just have little bits yeah yeah you know it doesn't need to be you know Mm -hmm. turn Mm -hmm. the lights down set the Mm -hmm. music on i mean no one can upkeep that with a regular life every day or every other day what did she say nightly if not more yeah yeah (laughs) when they were first going which is great but i think this is where you just need to have that conversation like you know what we know we both love each other yeah we know we both enjoy sex we know that we're gonna work this out and it just takes a little while. And the problem is we attribute so much to sex. We mm-hmm. treat it so seriously. Like this is the part of our relationship that defines everything. <laughs> and then it just has so much stress attached to it, especially at the beginning. So, you know, just saying, you know what? We are we are great. Like yes. we are in a great place. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. And you know, if she hasn't quite figured out how her body works or how to enjoy her body yet, so she has a really strong sex drive but not necessarily a really strong sexual response, just work on that for a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if he doesn't have the libido to actually have intercourse, 
he can maybe do totally other things a couple of nights and figure out how she works. But yeah. let's just let go of this idea that his libido needs to look a certain way, her mm-hmm. need, hers needs to look a certain way, and just say, we're just on a research project we're doing together. Yeah. And it's all good. <laughs> Okay, so, but I love that question because I think everybody has that to some extent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether they're flipped or not. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, there'll be times in some marriages where I'm sure one spouse will be up and down and then the other mm-hmm. will flip and, you know, with mm-hmm. kids and work and, you mm-hmm. know, it's something, it's something you're probably always working at, I can only assume, right? Yeah. So, I'm two years in, I have so much knowledge. Yes. <laughs> but that is a very common one. Okay, this one, you probably don't have a lot to say about this one, but I just, I wanted to put it in here. Okay. Okay. So this one, um, my assistant Tammy has titled this one, I am too wet during sex. Oh, wow. So here we go. She says, I have been reading and thoroughly enjoying the good girl's guide to great sex. Yay. Yay. My husband and I have been married for a few years. We're both Christians and I am his first sexual partner and we waited until after our vows for intercourse. However, regretfully, he is not my first. I wish I had waited for sure because that is something so special that my husband was able to give me that I was not able to give him completely. But thankfully, this does not really seem to affect intercourse as far as I can tell. Before we even go on, can we address this paragraph? (laughs) I do believe that God has really good reasons for wanting us to wait for marriage. Yeah. But if that is not your story, Mm -hmm. you don't need to apologize for it. Yeah. Um... And you don't need to feel guilty for it. Yeah. One thing, you, you said this in one of your videos. <laughs> you quoted me, so I will now quote you quoting me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but our purity is not based on what we do with our bodies. Our purity is based on what Jesus did with his. Yes. When we wrote the, the Great Sex Rescue, which is coming out next year, I read all of these books, best-selling Christian sex and marriage books, and one of them was by a couple called the Ludies, I believe. And they told a story of this couple, both virgins, in a Bible college where they started dating and they went too far and they had sex. And the way they described it in this book, I think the book was When God Writes Your Love Story, is that she had now lost this precious treasure. And she no longer had a precious treasure to give the husband. But they never said that about the guy, and the guy had done the same thing. I was going to say, what about the dude? Yeah, dude did the same thing. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) She couldn't, I mean, if she had sex, there was someone else there. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think we put a lot more pressure on women to, to be the pure ones. And then later on in the same book, she was counseling this woman who said, I lost my most precious treasure, I lost my most precious gift that I could have given my spouse. And then they told her about how she could be forgiven and they prayed over it for forgiveness but they never said that she was wrong yeah they never said that actually you know what like you need to not walk around with all this guilt and shame because god loves you and like like it, it was all wasn't, about what we need to pray for most, you because that wasn't your most precious treasure right your soul is much more important than your hymen i'm sorry yeah <laughs> like, which can break for all kinds of reasons other than i know sex too. <laughs> like i do believe god's best is that we wait for marriage i would agree i also believe that if you don't, you're not less than. And your marriage isn't doomed. And that's the feeling yeah. that we get is that if you messed up, your marriage is doomed. And it's even, even like she said, thankfully, this does not seem to affect intercourse as far as I can tell, which means yeah. that her, her pre-thought about marriage is that because I had sex before, my sexual mm-hmm. life and my marriage is, is probably going to be really bad. And now she's like, well, mm-hmm. thankfully it hasn't been. And it's like, well, you know, maybe 
that shouldn't be the starting thought that we have. Maybe it should yeah. be, you know what, this is a decision I made. This is now part of my story. This is now part of who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, this is either a scar on me, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes things happen to you that you didn't want to happen to you, or you make a decision when you're in a very different place in your life, and that doesn't then mean that the rest of your life is doomed. And that's actually, you brought up a point that I didn't even, I usually bring up this point, so shame on me for not bringing it up before, but this idea that your most precious treasure is your virginity, what does that do when you've been abused? Yeah. Well, and I also want to just make sure if this woman is, is listening and she thinks we're beating up on her, that's not, we're not oh, going yes. to say I'm sorry. that yeah. like, oh, well, it's just so bad she has these ideas. No, what we're saying is like, you know, this woman probably is coming, I don't know what the rest of the question is going to say, yeah. but you know, this sounds like a really good woman who loves the Lord, and it's just so sad that maybe there's been guilt in her life, and mm-hmm. there's been shame, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, pre, uh, what's the word, predisposed to believe that your yeah. marriage is doomed, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that should have been. Yes, you're right, and I, I should have said that too, so thank you, you corrected me on two different things there. Yes, so I just, yeah, and I guess what I want to say is, you know what, you you did the right thing with your husband, mm-hmm. with your now husband, and and God can redeem anything, and let's not assume that, that because, I think it's very important to address people's baggage when you get married, if you mm-hmm. are marrying someone with baggage, that needs to be addressed before the marriage, yes. and it needs to be acknowledged that they have baggage, but just because they have baggage does not mean your marriage is doomed. Yes. And let's let's just recognize that. Okay, so now she says, we both seem to have healthy sex drives. As far as I know, I have not yet reached orgasm, but we're also trying to not dwell on it as I know this will only make matters worse. We have a baby and have been adjusting back into a more intimate relationship and all has been wonderful. Although I enjoy intercourse, I really don't get much from it other than the satisfaction of knowing my husband is satisfied and that is a wonderful time to bring us closer to each other. Mm. Okay, before we get to the heart of her question, can we address these two paragraphs too? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say to her what I did to the first lady. first lady, which is take time to figure out what arouses you. Yeah. Because I, I think often we believe we're supposed to have sex and sex is penis into vagina moving around until he climaxes and somehow her pleasure is, is missing from there. Mm. Now, luckily... We have a resource that can help you with this because 31 Days to Great Sex launched uh, this week. Yes, it, it was available two days ago. Oh, <laughs> it launched again. Um, the the expanded, updated version. It's so much fun. I used to sell it on my website uh, as a self published book. It was it sold like hotcakes. Uh, so many couples told me this was the book that let them have the breakthrough, both in terms of orgasm. I had I had, I had one person writing me saying we broke the bed tonight, um, <laughs> and a lot of people told me that they have children now because of that. So I guess oh, wow. when I'm in heaven, I'll meet all the 31 Days to Great Sex kids. But I updated it. I changed some of the some of the challenges, and there's all kinds of extras in the book. It's awesome, and there's a bunch of, of challenges in there which can help you figure out that arousal piece mm-hmm. and orgasm piece. So yeah. so please pick that up because that can help. And even though you don't want to dwell on the fact that you haven't reached orgasm because you know that'll pressure you, it still is good to try sometimes. I think you know, and not assume that well eventually it will happen. And yet we're still always doing the exact same thing that hasn't worked before. Yeah. So I think you need to figure out what does arouse you. Probably spend a lot more time in foreplay. It's a lot easier to reach orgasm in ways other than intercourse. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, the majority of women do not reach orgasm during intercourse. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it can't happen. And then I'll be working on a course later this summer, um, the orgasm course to help you with that. But that doesn't happen for most women, and so it's easier to figure it out another way. Yeah. And this idea that sex is only proper if both orgasm together, nice thing to aim for, but doesn't mean you can't have a great sex life 
if she reaches orgasm first. So work on that. 31 Days to Great Sex can help. <laughs> Here is her actual question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tonight I experienced something different. Things were going pretty well and I noticed being able to feel more and did my best to stay focused and in the moment when suddenly I realized I couldn't really feel anything. I wasn't sure if my husband was still inside and or exactly what was going on. So I told my husband that I thought I was too wet to feel anything in the moment. So we moved around and changed positions. We resumed intercourse and he was able to finish and I tried not to focus on messing up the moment, which he didn't seem bothered by at all, but I was just wondering if there's something to be done to avoid this. We didn't use any extra lube, it was just me. I don't know if you want to tackle this one or you want me to. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. Okay, <laughs> could be a number of things. There's a reason this is your job, not mine. Yeah. Um, women do experience something called female ejaculation. Some women can. Uh, it's very common during G-spot orgasms and it can almost feel like you've suddenly let out a ton of pee. It isn't actually pee. It's, it's well, I mean, they've, they've done studies on whether it is or not. But the fact is, it's not like you've urinated. Your body has spontaneously let out fluid. Um, doesn't happen with most women during most orgasms, but there is one type where it can. And if things are feeling suddenly very good and then you get really wet, that might have been what happened. Um, again, you didn't pee and it's, so no one should feel guilty or like, oh, I'm disgusting. Yeah. Like that's just, that's just what can happen. So it could be that. It could also be um, when you do get very aroused, things often do open more. <laughs> so it could be that she opened more. Um, uh, your your cervix, your uterus will actually change positions a little yeah, bit. That to did give, occur to me, yeah. You know, to give more room for him. Um, and if that's the case, if suddenly you lose a lot of sensation, you can't feel him anymore, some things that can help just put your put your feet up on his shoulders or his back that can make you tighter. Mm -hmm. um, um, if he is sitting up while you're lying down, that can be a tighter position. So just do things that can make the position tighter and, and that, and that can help. I should not be here. For I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. This is like, I don't even know why we're able to do this. I, don't I think know like, okay, Becca, Becca does this with you every week and we're just realizing like, yeah, I should not be here. Okay. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. It's really, it's important stuff. It's just like, oh wow. <laughs> You know what? Just try positions that can help you feel tighter if you if you feel a loss of sensation, and mm -hmm. and that will help. Um, but some women do have that thing where you feel very wet. Nothing bad happened, and it's all it's also not something that you want to avoid because yeah. that could be the sign that an orgasm is is actually imminent. Yeah. Um, and and can feel really good. So if your body does that, just embrace it. There's mm -hmm. everybody's body is slightly different, and just embrace it. Okay. Last question. All right, let's okay. do it. This one won't freak you out quite as much. You okay. might learn something though, so here we go. Well, okay, <laughs> all right. I've had an issue with giggling after having an orgasm 40 to 50% of the time. It would bother my ex-husband every time it happened. I tried explaining to him that I was not in any way laughing at him and promising to attempt to put a stop to it the next time I felt like giggling. I noticed that the giggling happens after a particularly large rush of happiness and contentment after an orgasm and tried to explain to him that it was my satisfaction that was causing it, but it still left him angry with me. Inevitably, it would happen again and another argument would start. It eventually led to me no longer wanting to have sex because of the fear of giggling and starting another argument. I'm glad that this person is her ex-husband, I just have to say, because 
Is that what you said? This yes. Yes. Because okay. yes. he's basically when he's mad that she's happy. Yes. Okay, got it. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Mm-hmm. When we did have sex, I was concentrating so much on keeping myself from giggling in the end that I was unable to really enjoy myself and was usually left feeling unsatisfied. I am now engaged to a wonderful man and he has been respectful of me wanting to wait until we are married to have sex. Although my main reason for this is because I am so fearful of giggling after an orgasm and upsetting him just like I did to my ex-husband. Is this something that is normal? Any tips or advice on talking about this with my fiance? Okay. Um, I'm just, that's so sad that she's, she's scared of being happy with sex. Yes. This is what this man did to her. Oh my goodness. Okay, cool. Yes, right. so probably a very controlling person yeah. and everything. Giggling, I wouldn't say, I hate the word normal because yeah. everybody's different, right? Some people do have a hormonal reaction during orgasm, which really triggers a whole bunch of different emotions. Mm-hmm. And giggling can be one of them. You get this rush of a surge of a whole different cocktail of yeah. hormones, and that can cause, like, giggling you can't help like you actually really can't help it in a small um, minority of people and I believe men can get this too although don't quote me on that but Mm -hmm. but it it especially can happen with women I do want to talk about the flip side just so that people are aware of this is that some people get the opposite which is after orgasm they're very depressed and they actually Mm -hmm. feel like crying um and it's called uh, post-coital dysphoria. <laughs> or is that with the chemicals in your brain Yeah, post-sex blues. It's like when you have a high, your body doesn't come down low easily. Your body, like when you have a high, your body overcompensates. And so it comes down, it crashes down right. low. And if that's the case, I just want to say to women who may be going through that and wondering what's going on, um, Talk to your doctor. There are some medications that can help, but also if you do do that, you are also more prone to have postpartum depression, mm-hmm. which, and, and just talk to your physician about that. That's just good to know ahead of time that this is something that could affect me. And I don't mean to scare people. I just think it's good to know about yeah. your body and your health. But yes, some people have this giggling thing. And you know what? If that's you, just embrace it. I know. Well, you're having a good time. Yeah. And, and I think we treat sex way too seriously. I know I quoted this in... The podcast, I don't know if it was last week or the week before with Becca, but um, C.S. Lewis said this thing, said this quote, and I love it. In his book, The Four Loves, he said about Eros, which is one of the four loves about erotic love. He Mm -hmm. said, banish play and laughter from the marriage bed and we might let in a false goddess. I think we treat sex way too seriously. A lot of yeah. these questions have been have been about people just treating sex sometimes way too seriously and giving it more emotional weight than it deserves. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta laugh. Yeah. Like, and it is fun to be serious. Like, there's some yeah. nights where you feel like serious yeah. and sexy, but there's also nights where you're just like, I love you. Like, also, yeah. let's play together. Like, as weird yes. as that sounds, like, sex is play. It is play. Like, it's like, you're just, this is the only person in the world you can be this vulnerable with, you can be mm-hmm. this open with, and like, Mm-hmm. That's fun. You know, yeah. like the fact that you found this person that you get to enjoy this together with, that you enjoy doing this with. Like, if yeah. you're laughing and having a good time, like that that should just add to the experience. And hopefully this fiance that she now has is the kind of man that if she's feeling great and yeah. she's showing it on her face and she's giggling and smiling, he's just going to yeah. be like, I'm the man. I yeah. did that to her. You know what yeah. I mean? He's not going to yeah. be like, a, mm, that makes me uncomfortable and you need to stop. Yeah. Like, yeah. this whole, like, I mean, again, I mean, <laughs> As far as I know, men usually want to make their wife feel good. And it seems like she's the kind of woman where when she feels good, it's quite obvious. Quite obvious, yeah. So, I mean, I would think that 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this new man, like, if she's nervous about this, you know, hopefully she can realize, okay, this guy is kind and encouraging and thoughtful mm-hmm. and fun, and mm-hmm. he will be the kind of partner that will let me enjoy myself in this yeah. element of our relationship. And, and I think I can totally understand why she's nervous about yeah. this, because it sounds like her ex-husband really put yes. her through the ringer. Yeah. It might have been an emotionally abusive situation, trying to control her, and um, that's bad. I, I would say that if you're marrying a guy who would also treat you badly if you mm. laugh after earth, don't marry him. No. Because you're just gonna, but it, I, 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 it sounds like she's saying he's wonderful and he's been respectful of her, so yeah. he's probably not like that. As for how to bring this up with your fiance, I think that we should be talking about sex before we get married. Yeah. Even if you're waiting, I think that's a very healthy conversation to mm-hmm. have. And in the honeymoon course, I've walked people through those kinds of conversations. Might not be applicable if you both had sex before but I think that's very um, good to talk about and when the wedding is imminent like let's say within the next two to three months Mm -hmm. I think that this is a good conversation I just say you know let me tell you something about myself that Mm -hmm. really was a problem in my first marriage that I hope is not gonna be a problem in this one yeah and just say and explain to him what you feel like when you're giggling that it's just it's it's just a rush of very happy feelings Mm -hmm. and that's a good thing yes. and it's not something we need to feel ashamed of again i guess that's the big message i want to leave in this podcast for new about newlywed sex sex questions you can't ask your pastor let go of what is normal yeah and just embrace the two of you together and who you are and the unique way god's made you and have fun yeah <laughs> it is fun if there's any young women out there maybe um who you know listen to your podcast in terms of hoping to learn things about what they should be looking at a partner and you know maybe they're not married yet you know make sure that you choose partners that you could see yourself being vulnerable with that mm-hmm. you could trust you know implicitly with these kind of things because you don't want to be married to someone who you know let's say like the first lady's having anxiety and has serious health issues that you know if she was marrying someone who was like well I don't care you're gonna do it because you're my wife not a good situation right right and you need to we need to have these kind of conversations so that we can be sure we're choosing the right people and that's why sometimes this whole don't you know all these boundaries and don't have sex and everything can also then lead us to not even talking about it which can be even more detrimental so I totally encourage people waiting and choosing their person and waiting for that person and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, again this woman also too you know even though she's had sex before she wants to wait till for this marriage until they enjoy sex in this marriage um, you know but but just make sure that you're talking about these things beforehand because mm-hmm. even if you're not engaging in it it's good to know what you're walking into yeah <laughs> exactly and I just want to say too shout out to all the great guys in yeah. the podcast today because it sounds like all of these women are saying their husbands are amazing yeah. and that makes me happy mm-hmm. so way to go <laughs> way to go guys <laughs> and you know if you marry someone who really truly loves you and who cares about you and who wants to care for your best we can usually figure out the sex part yeah and 31 days to great sex can help you do that it can help you have those conversations and it can help you spice things up and figure out how to reach orgasm mm-hmm. and so many more things so check that out um, it, it, I have really changed the book. It's a lot more fun and we will put the link to that in our podcast post and podcast description that goes along with this podcast. Remember that in the blog, I always have lots of extras where you can get more links to things like the honeymoon course mm-hmm. and 31 days to great sex. And I will also put a link to my post on post coital dysphoria or the post sex blues in case okay. people have never heard of that because that is good to know about. I will put a link to that and to our posts on how to choose a good guy when you are marrying so that you do get a guy that that is going to be good to you. 
So thank you for joining us for the Tilavani Vacuum Podcast. Thank you for being here, Katie. Thank you. I'm, I'm not sure too you, scared. <laughs> I'm sure you learned things you didn't want to learn, but now you know. <laughs> mad, mad respect to my sister for doing this every week. <laughs> yeah, and for her husband, too, who never thought that he would. Yeah. yeah weird, weird in-law relationships. Yeah. And next week on the sex questions you can't ask your pastor, we're going to do the weird questions. So these ones you, weren't weird? These ones were not the weird ones. Okay. <laughs> we're going to tackle the weird ones. And that'll be a lot of fun. So see you next week. 